this morning, I'd like you to join me in getting a handle on a simple phrase that we seem to forget an awful lot, and that is, no matter what, God's got this. Now, how many times have you ever gotten anxious or distracted or discouraged? Why? God's got this. Well, probably because we forget that God has this. I know that's the way it is with me. I mean, we forget. That's, that's something that happens everywhere. <laughs> we were having breakfast at the hotel yesterday, and the, uh, the uh, UW uh, track and field team was uh, camped out in our hotel. And um, they were down having breakfast, and the coach came down, and he was telling everybody, put on another layer, it's cold out there. And, of course, at that time it was snowing, and, you know, and, they, and uh, so I said something to the coach. I said, uh, not a great day for track and field. And he says, oh, it's a terrible day. And he stopped, and he says, no, it's going to be a great day. We're going to have fun. And I thought, eh, too late. <laughs> Aren't we like that, though? I mean, in our spiritual walk? You know, Jesus knew that we were going to be that way. You know, most missionaries, they're going to come and they're going to zero in, you know, pretty hot and heavy on Matthew 28, 18, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I want you to drop down a couple verses, down to verse 20. Because it is there that Jesus, in the book of Matthew, the last words Matthew records, that Jesus says... He says this, he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus knew, no matter what, we were going to forget that God's got this. You know, I mean, put yourself in the place of, of, of his disciples that were gathered around him when he said these words. I mean, we're talking the guys that were in 10 days going to start the church. We're talking the guys that 40 days previous saw and witnessed Jesus coming back from the dead. They walked with him and they talked with him. And they knew, they believed in the resurrection. They saw him. They were eyewitnesses. And yet, 40 days later... Jesus thinks that it's that necessary that the last words he leaves with them is, hey, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. I'm going to be with you. So I'm thinking, you know, if it's good for them to remember that statement, it's, it's good for us. Unfortunately... In our walk with Christ, we don't have the benefit of seeing his nail-scarred hands, of putting our hand in his side where the spear was run through. We can't witness with our own very eyes, and yet God throughout his word makes it very plain that his spirit, that Jesus, that God are at work to bring about that which he has set in motion. And in fact, in several places, uh, the book of Ephesians um, chapter 6 talks about that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and, and those things that are behind the spiritual curtain. 
It's been kind of an interesting year so far because God has kind of reinforced this point to me, to, to our small group that meets at our house, my wife, um, and it's through even the TCH broadcasts that I've been editing because we've, uh, we've had a series on uh, a fellow by the name of Elisha. We've had a series on a, about Daniel and his friends and how they survived through some pretty tough times. And, and then this last month, as a part of some things that our small group is doing, my wife and I have been going through a study in Revelation by a fellow by the name of Shane Woods, who, if you're not familiar with him, he has, uh, in this day and age, it's almost kind of a unique perspective on the book of Revelation. And, and in, in all of these areas, and whether it's Elisha or Daniel or the book of Revelation, the book of Ephesians, and all of them, the Bible reminds us that there is a whole nother thing going on. That what we see and what we touch is not the end of the story, but that there is a very spiritual aspect to the things that we do see and hear and touch. Um, well, anyway, go with me here through a, through a couple, three stories from God's Word about, about, about the spiritual things that are going on. Now, in the process, I want you to understand that these spiritual things that are going on are all part of a plan. Book of Ephesians, the first chapter, says that before God created the heavens and the earth, He had a plan. It says in chapter 1, it says that before the creation of all that is, that God chose us. That He knew God knew that we were going to fall. He knew that we were going to sin before he even started creation. And he went ahead and did it anyway. That's how much he wants a relationship, a very special relationship with us. The book of uh, Genesis tells us about Adam and Eve and how they were tempted and they fell. And, uh, and then God prophesies in his handing out sentences, the results of the sin, God says that Jesus would come, that Satan would nip at his heel, but that Satan would crush his head. God had a plan for the history of the world. And he knew that at just the right time, he would send his son. Deuteronomy calls this a mystery. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. There's a lot going on that we don't get, but it's all part of God's plan. So now, why doesn't God just lay this all out for us? Why doesn't he just paint a picture for us that we can see right off the bat? Well, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a, in a real live battle with, uh, say, with the armed services. But I'm going to guess that the generals somewhere in their room when they're strategizing didn't let the guys on the ground know exactly all the details of all of the plan. Now, why do you suppose they did that? Cause frustration? Well, it probably did, but that's not the reason. It's probably because they didn't want those plans falling into the hands of the enemy. 
God is in a battle, a spiritual battle. And he doesn't want the enemy to know the big picture of what's happening. Because that just makes it easier for Satan to try to thwart what God is up to. So I really believe that the reason that God only gives small glimpses into what his plan is throughout history is because he doesn't want to give up his plan entirely to the evil one and thus give him an, an extra hand in trying to attack what God is doing. But, because of where we have the opportunity to live in history, we can look back through God's word and see the pieces of his plan and how they come together. It's kind of a picture thing. So, in other words, the first person we want to talk about today is we want to talk about a fellow by the name of Elisha. And, and what I want you to see out of these three stories, it's what's going on in the spiritual battle. And, and to have an awakening to the fact that there is more to life than what we see and touch. But that there is a whole other thing going on in the spiritual world that is going to culminate in the second coming of Christ and our getting to be with God. Elisha found this out, or actually his servant did, because I, you know the story. It was uh, Israel was at a war with the king of Aram, and and the uh, and and the king and Elisha kept God kept giving him visions of what the king of Aram was going to do to Israel, and so Elisha kept telling the king of Israel what he was going to do. So the king of Aram got wind of this, and so he sent a whole bunch of guys, a whole section of his army, to go grab Elisha so that he couldn't do this anymore. So Elisha gets up one morning in the town that he's in, and he stretches out on the wall, and he looks out, and the town is surrounded by this army. And his servant, the guy that's with him, his understudy or whatever he was, he's up there with him, and he goes into a panic attack. You know, I can just imagine... <laughs> You know, and it's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it, it's kind of funny because Elisha said, Elisha just stops for a moment of prayer and he says, Lord, open this guy's eyes, would you? And then it says that his servant looked out and beyond the army surrounding them was the army of God, the spiritual army that was veiled from his eyes, chariots and horses surrounding the king of Aram. And, and then Elisha, it's kind of funny because it's, a, it's this whole blindness thing is kind of the whole theme of that section of the Bible because Elisha prays that God will blind the eyes of the army and they fell into blindness. And then Elisha led them to the encampment of the king of Israel and the king of Israel says, what should we do? Shall we kill them? And Elisha said, no, feed them and send them home. And then God restored their sight. But the point is this, the whole point of that section of scripture is, I think, God trying to open our eyes to the fact that God's got this. That in the spiritual battle, God is the victor. And the spiritual battle bleeds over into our lives. 
And sometimes it's frustrating because we can't see directly what's going on. I know the month of March and this month have been that way for my wife and I. It's like we keep stubbing our toes on things unseen. And they're spiritual things. And I am absolutely convinced that it is Satan trying to thwart what God is trying to accomplish through GBM and TCH. At any rate, the eyes of Elisha's servant were opened. God was making a point of presenting to Elisha's servant, and I think in this whole story about open eyes, trying to give us a spiritual picture. A spiritual picture that says God's got this. God's in it. God's got this. Well, we move on, and then in the book of Daniel, throughout the book of Daniel, Daniel and his friends are drafted into the king's service after they are, along with the rest of the Israelites, taken into captivity into Babylon. And, uh, of course, you know the different stories of what happened to, to Daniel. He saw the, he, he prophesied for the king, he interpreted his dreams, um, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they wouldn't bow to the king's idol, and so they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Um, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And throughout all of this, God keeps giving Daniel visions of things, sometimes things that were to come, but things that were happening. It's like he was peeling back the veil to the spiritual existence that was beyond. Now, I like, I like what um, Daniel's friends said before they were cast into the, the fiery furnace. Um, because I think it is an example to us that even when we can't see the spiritual battle, when we can't see behind that veil, like the book of Hebrews tells us, we walk in faith with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Anyway, their, their comment in Daniel 3, 16 through 18 was, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter, O king. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They were so convinced that God's got this that they were willing to put themselves in his hands no matter what the outcome because of their faith in God. They trusted God that God knew the bigger picture. So not only is it a spiritual picture, but it is a bigger picture than what we can see. And they trusted God for that very thing. The third place I'd like to take a quick look at is Jesus. Because with Elisha and his friends, their open eyes showed them how God has our lives. That in the spiritual picture, God's got this. In Daniel and his friends, God at work, and, and being able to see God at work and know that God's got this. 
And for Jesus, Jesus came at just the right time in answer to prophecy from way back at the Garden of Eden, in answer to what God knew was going to happen before he even started creating the heavens and the earth, God's answer was the sending of his son at just the right time. Have you ever thought about that? That the coming of Christ, how much it is a center point in our universe? I mean... For years, our, time, or our uh, calendar has been based on it. B.C. and A.D. been based on the coming of Christ. That, that uh, Christianity has been something that the world never knew before then and has been a force to be reckoned with ever since Jesus walked this earth, since he died and rose again and established his church on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> That is, oh man, that ought to say something to us. If you look through the stories in the Old Testament, Satan is working up until the day of Christ trying to bring about what he thought was his victory. And he has known defeat, even though he's trying his best to, to strike out at the hand of God in these days following. The, the day of Pentecost, when the church was established was a time in history where Rome had set up one language, kind of a one-world government, one language, roads that went everywhere, uh, commerce that went to the entire known world. And all of those things opened the doors for the gospel to go to the entire world and for the church to be established across the face of the earth. God's perfect timing. You know, it's, it's kind of like this. Uh, there was that fella on PBS years ago that used to paint those pictures. He had this do that big afro thing, Bob something. Bob Ross, yeah. And, uh, and he used to paint those pictures. I used to like to watch that show every once in a while. Not a lot, but every once in a while I like to watch it because it was always fun to try to figure out, where's he going with this? Did you ever do that? I don't know if you ever saw him or not. But he'd start painting a picture and he'd say, well, we need to do this. And he'd make some marks on the thing. And it was like, what are you doing? And then, you know, by the end of the show, he had this really, really nice picture. My mom used to paint. She used to cheat, though, because she would sketch things in in pencil before she started painting. And you could always kind of get an idea, but then there was always anticipation to see how this picture was going to turn out when she added the paints and the colors. And in fact, we have uh, one of her last paintings that uh, she did before she kind of got away from it. And it's a great big picture of the second coming. It's really cool. Anyway, um, God's painting a picture. And that picture, the first step of it came to fruition with the coming of Christ. But the rest of the painting won't be finished until we're standing at the throne of God in heaven on high. That's the bigger picture. I mean, God's, God's wanting us to see the spiritual picture. He's wanting us to have a bigger picture, but someday we get to see the completed picture. And when we do, we will see what God has been working towards. You know, all through, all through history, the Israelites were saying, why do we have to follow this crazy law? Well, now we can look back and we can see what God was trying to teach through the law. 
We can look back and we can see how God and Satan were at battle throughout the Old Testament. And, and God came out the victor even to the point where Satan thought he had won the battle when Jesus was put on the cross to die. But the resurrection was what God had in mind all along that now is our salvation. The power of our salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's right time. Ephesians 1.10 says, When the times have reached their fulfillment, Christ died for us. Jesus reminded us, I am with you always. The end of his ministry, he wanted to remind us that he was going to be with us. Different places in the Bible, again, it reminds us of the spiritual battle going on that Jesus is at work for us. His spirit is living within us. So, I guess the question is, how does this affect me? God had it back when he started creation. God has it now in this very moment, and God will have it tomorrow. God is in control. This is all part of a great big plan to bring us to where we can live for eternity with God. Back when Jesus said, I am with you to the very end of the age, those guys had the benefit of seeing Jesus in the flesh, in his new flesh. We walk in faith, as the book of Hebrews says. But nonetheless... We, if we have open eyes, we can see where the spiritual world touches the physical world. And because of that, in faith, we can walk with God with an assurance and a confidence that this world does not know. An assurance and a confidence that God has this. I think as we try to figure out how does this affect me, there are three ways. That, that we really need to zero in. First is, we got to believe it. we got to be like those disciples that, that touched Christ and knew Christ and saw Christ. We have to believe with that same total commitment that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ came back from the dead, that Jesus Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God, and that they are preparing a place for us to go and to be. Do we really believe that? I think of uh, the, the fellow in Mark 9, 23 through 25, with a, had a son with an evil spirit. And Jesus said, do you have faith? And the guy says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Is that your daily prayer? I believe, but help my unbelief. Do you believe enough that if today someone said, your faith or your life, would you, would you without hesitation say, Jesus is Lord? Is that the kind of belief that you are so assured of? It's like this. Have you, have you taken countenance in what God has done in your life? 
Have you looked and seen where God's got this? Have you looked and tried to see and to guess what's going on in the spiritual world? Have you put on the full armor of God? Ephesians 6 says. It's kind of like, uh, how many of you have ever seen that? I think it's Claret and Clear commercial. Have you seen that one where they start out and it's just a little fuzzy and you don't really realize how fuzzy it is till they peel it back and then it's really clear? You know, because Claritin is going to clear it all up for you. Anyway, that's kind of like that spiritual battle in our walk through life. If we look through eyes and lenses focused from the Spirit of God, then we can see what God is doing and where God is going. If we can believe it with that kind of belief, then we will live it. And it won't be a follow-the-rules type of life. It will be a life that spills out like it did with Moses and Peter and Judas and Paul and Noah and Abraham and all the characters of the Bible that walked with God because they believed in who He is. If we believe it, if we live it, we are going to share it. We can't help it. You know, have you, it's, it's like, and my daily prayer is, Lord, help me not to freeze up, but help me just to spill out. And that's happened on some really cool occasions where I came into a thing and I did not know what the situation was, but God's Spirit just made it all spill out and come to find out somebody needed to hear it. Are you willing to do that? To spill out what's bubbling up inside of you that God's got this. That no matter what's happened in your life, trusting in God has got you through it. Enough that you can have faith that God will get you through it, whatever is about to come. Before God created the heavens and the earth, He knew that we would fall. But God said, I've got this. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent deceived God's created, and they fell. But God prophesied, I've got this. When man's sins became so great that God regretted creating man, God said through Noah, I got this. In the years after, men built a tower of Babel, and no one had faith. But God said through Abraham, I've got this. When God's chosen were enslaved in Egypt with no escape, God said through Moses, I've got this. When Israel as a nation wandered away from God and forgot His name, God remained faithful. And God said, When the army surrounded Elisha and his servant with no hope in sight, God said, Look, I've got this. When Daniel and his friends stood up for the name of the Lord and even death was imminent, God proclaimed, I've got this. When the time was right for God's plan of reconciliation through Jesus, his son, God cried while Jesus was on the cross, I've got this. When persecution rose against his church, when it rises now against his church, God reminds us, I've got this. When Satan says this world is mine, God reverberates from his throne on high, I've got this. When the battle for your life rages and there seems no hope in sight, 
God quietly speaks through his spirit living in this to remind us, I've got this. And when the time is right, when things are ready, when the table is prepared, when the Son of God returns, God will proclaim with all the voices of heaven, I've got this. I've got you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you don't know God, God wants you to know he's got this and he wants to have you, to take care of you, to be there, to be coming for you. Will you respond? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we are so glad that you've got this. Father, our hearts yearn for you. Help us to be able to peel back the spiritual drapes and see even what, you, what John tried to show us in the book of Revelation. What Ephesians tries to tell us. What your stories from the Old Testament try to show that there is a spiritual battle with Satan raging. But that we can put our faith in you. That we can know that you have the victory. That we know that you care for us and that we can cast our cares upon you to trust that you have this. Even if it doesn't go particularly the way that we hope, like the, like the three in the book of Daniel. that says, we know that God can do this, but even if he chooses not to rescue us, we still stand because of who God is. Father, help us to have that kind of faith. Make it real for us. And Father, help us to live our lives accordingly. We love you. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.